0: Well, what an intense, curious week of change it's been here in the Rowlandson household. Lots of change afoot. Firstly, I would just like to say a massive thank you to each and every one of you who sent kind messages of support, that your tips and your advice around the emptiness syndrome, something that I've experienced for the first time. And a particular shout out goes to Ashley Leeds, who's been incredibly supportive. And I know you're listening. So thank you, Ashley. I know I'm not the first and by no means the last to experience the empty nest. However, it's a difficult transition to go through from having someone there in your life for over 18 years and then suddenly not. Nothing could really prepare me for that. And I was fine dropping Holly off with my husband on Sunday. We'd settled her into her room and we then wandered around the city together before leaving her to explore and meet others. And it was not until the next morning when I posted her a jacket that she'd forgotten to pack. And when I was on the way way back from the post office, that it really hit me, bursting into tears and realising that she wouldn't be with me on our daily dog walk together. It's always the little things that you miss, isn't it? But I'm feeling much better now. We've spoken lots this week and she's having an absolute blast and it's getting a lot easier. I don't remember it being a big deal from my perspective when I was that age. However, my dad shared with me this week, for the first time actually, how he felt when I'd left for university almost 30 years ago now. He'd said how proud he was of my success, but how much he missed my bright energy and that he had to close my bedroom door on the landing because the open door reminded him that I was no longer at home and that the future was going to be very different from then onwards. Talking about how the future will be very different, Same school, same year, different trajectories. In 2019, two 16-year-old girls sat next to one another in their GCSE biology class. BioBuds, they called themselves. Both focused, determined and committed to their studies. Yet their brilliance shone in different ways. One girl went on to become head student of the school and the other continued to focus on tennis, her chosen sport. Then came the pandemic. Studies were interrupted, sport was interrupted, life was interrupted. However, their brilliance remained a constant. Fast forward two years to last weekend, aged 18, both girls have now become young women. One just became the US Open women's tennis champion and the other I dropped off at university. We each have different trajectories in life, achieving different things at different times. There's no one right or wrong path. Only what is right for you and what is right for you now. Brilliance reveals itself in different forms for each and every one of us at different times in our lives. Same school, same year, different trajectories. What Emma Raducanu achieved last last Saturday was truly incredible. A perfect example of sheer brilliance. My daughter Holly and I watched her stellar performance in full admiration and pride whilst also screaming positive encouragement at her through the TV. At her bio bud. Emma displayed a masterclass of just what is possible despite all the interruptions obstacles and setbacks that she faced. She reminded us how overnight success takes years and years hours and hours of deliberate practice intense preparation and purpose-driven focus. Same school same year different trajectories. Through the combination of curiosity learning and hope Recognize your brilliance in the forms of intelligence, strength, genius or talent. Remember, we each get a chance to shine in life and you get to choose when. Focus on brilliance. How will you demonstrate your brilliance today? So it's an exciting new chapter in both Holly and Emma's lives. The world just got a whole lot bigger for both of them, particularly for Emma. And talking of bigger... Huge, big, enormous celebrations goes to Julie Crefield with her new podcast, Bigger Than You, that she launched this week. Julie is the first to launch her podcast from my Focus on Why launch pod mastermind to incredible success. If we go by the metrics of the charts, then Julie hit number three in GB entrepreneurship category, number 10 in business, number seven in entrepreneurship in Ireland and other top rankings across the world in Sweden Greece, Switzerland, South Africa. And another great achievement is that Julie made it into the Spotify chart, which is just fantastic because Spotify only ranked the top 50. To make this is great and to achieve position number 26 is epic. But aside from the charts, which are useful metrics, it's really looking at other ways of how you measure success. Look at the reviews that people have left, looking at the messages of support that Julie has received. And look at her return on investment. She's already received earnings from affiliate links that she posted in the show notes. And when I asked Julie how she felt having launched her show, her reply was that it was beyond her wildest dreams. If you're looking to launch a podcast but not sure where to start, then book a call with me today. My next LaunchPod Mastermind cohort starts on the 4th of October. The link is in the show notes or go to amyrolanson.com and book a call with me there. I'd love to have a chat with you and help you to get your show live. Now, let's get on with today's episode. Here are my reflections and observations from the last five fantastic conversations of Focus on Why. First up is episode 203, Talk More, Type Less with Will Kintish. And if you want to know how to overcome all your fears and concerns when working the room networking, then this is the episode for you. Like Will, have you dramatically switched careers? Was it your choice to do so, or was a choice made for you? Will's why is simple. He helps people to develop their networking skills. And after 57 years in business, his mantra is simple. Talk more, type less. And when Will says to talk more, let me just clarify that. It's to ask more questions when networking. And he said that the quieter, shyer person often, or very often, makes the best networker. Why? Why? because they focus on the other person. Taking the Dale Carnegie quote that he shared, the most interesting people we will ever meet are those who are the most interested in us, and that is what the quiet person will do. We'll reference to the book written by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, published back in 1937, and Carnegie's tips are still very much relevant today, 84 years later. His advice from his chapter two, The Big Secret of Dealing with People, included six principles of how to make people like you. Principle one, become generally interested in other people. Two, smile. Principle three, remember that a person's name to that person is the sweetest and most important sound in any language. I actually remembered this. It stood out for me from the book when I read it the first time around several years ago. Principle four, Be a good listener and encourage others to talk about themselves. Principle five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. And principle six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. These are just a handful of fabulous tips from this brilliant book. And to stay on theme, what was the why or the purpose of Carnegie's book? Carnegie said his purpose was simple. He said that according to Professor William James of Harvard, compared to what we ought to be, we are only half awake, making use of only a small part of our physical and mental resources. So the purpose of his book is to help you to discover, develop and profit by those dormant and unused assets. Are you living far within your limits? Do you have more to offer? What would happen if you started to shine a little more? I spoke of brilliance earlier. And Will talked about his obvious and fundamental A-Shine method, a mnemonic that he uses to help people to network brilliantly. It's simple, it's easy, and yet so many people don't do it. It's time for you to take action, to engage with people, to use the powers that you have and get those assets working for you. Will has got those assets working for him. He shared that he now celebrates every day as though it's his birthday. Having felt imprisoned, working in a job that he didn't really enjoy for 36 years, he's now working in an area that he absolutely loves. With two of his biggest decisions in his life made for him, Will has made sure that nothing else in his life has been left to chance. Who makes the decisions in your life? Have there been decisions made for you? And what decisions will you choose to make for yourself? And think about what brings you the most joy in your life. Will said... That to be successful in your business or your career, you have to do two things. Be visible and be proactive. And not wait for things to happen, but to make them happen for yourself. Next up is episode 204, Money Mastery with Leslie Thomas. All about how being different helps you to stand out. So Leslie recommends that you celebrate your difference rather than shy away from it. That you get out of your own way, you start valuing yourself and be your own best friend. To achieve what you really want, you need to strip away your ego to help that purpose to surface, to ignore the negative inner voice, getting out of your own way and working on your money mindset. Overcoming your limiting beliefs around money because Leslie believes that once those beliefs are turned around, then the magic happens in terms of sustainable and fulfilling business success and achieving money mastery. Have you mastered your money mindset? It can be an incredibly liberating experience and it's only when you stop and notice your language, your behaviors, your habits, your beliefs, do you recognize the full impact of how the perception of money is affecting you. Leslie talked of self-worth and self-value and self-talk and how not valuing yourself could be holding you back. There are so many elements that I could explore from Leslie's episode. However, I want to pick out two particular areas that I want to delve into more. One, the importance of shower moments, and two, modal operators. So firstly, those shower moments. When you're in the shower and you come up with your best ideas, why is that? It's because you've given your subconscious the permission to help create a plan of what to do. I know that I should definitely spend longer in the shower, not because I need to get cleaner, but because I need to give myself that more permission. Because it happens to me every day. As soon as I step into the shower, answers to problems that I've been facing just come to me. This also happens when I'm out on a walk or just waking up in the morning. I find that if I'm sitting at my desk for prolonged periods of time trying to solve a problem, it's when I step away from the desk that the ideas come flooding in. Does this happen to you? Why does this happen? Well, it's because it's when the subconscious brain is still processing potential solutions. And by doing something totally unrelated to the problems, then it's when your mind is freed to focus on the problem at a subconscious level. So that moment when you think you'll just do an extra task at your desk before you take your next break is exactly the moment when you need to stop, get up, go for that walk, take a shower even, because what you'll do is you'll come back more refreshed, more calm and more importantly, more productive. I'm not just recommending short productive breaks during the working day. I'm also recommending a complete breakaway from that usual routine to give yourself a whole reboot. Encourage your divergent thinking. Can you remember back to when you were at school and you were told off for daydreaming? Well, I'm giving you permission to start daydreaming now. Unless you're driving, don't do that. Ignore this request and just stay focused. But if you're not driving, start to daydream. Put that brain into alpha frequency, allowing your mind to wander. Stare out of the window. And if you're living in the UK, watch that rain trickle down the window. Take a nap or instead... Do take that shower. The second element I want to highlight are modal operators. You use these every day in your language. I've already used them in this particular episode without even registering the impact that they're having. Modal operators are the rules in your life and there are six different types. Those of necessity, the should, the must, ought to, the have to or supposed to, and those of negative necessity, the shouldn't, the mustn't. Then there's those of probability, the could, the may, the might, the had better. And those of improbability, the couldn't, the may not or the might not. There's those of impossibility, the able to, the can, the try, the will. And then there are those of impossibility, the am not, the can't, the try not to or the won't. You will start to notice them now that I've drawn attention to them. Your reticular activation system will start to draw your attention to modal operators much more. Not only in your own talk, but in those around you. These are the rules that others have formed and yourself that you've formed and they may not even be true. Listen out for them. Spot where they may be or where they may not be empowering. As you face different experiences in life, you start to subconsciously associate words with experiences, and in doing so, you establish what you can or can't do in life, forming your own rules. For example, when I was a child, I was told I didn't sing well. In fact, I, I recall being told I sang like a hoover, yeah, a bit harsh to be fair, but it was true. <laughs> However, I decided in that moment that I then couldn't sing. It was game over. and today... I'm a member of the professional speaking association. Yes, my singing days never really took off. And as you know, I do speak a lot in public. Many of my friends say to me, oh, I could never do that. I can't do public speaking. If they were to stop and notice their language, they would see that this has become a rule in their life. Just as I've said, I can't sing. And until they are conscious of this, it's unlikely to actually change. So listen out to those words, should, need, must, as they're a really great indicator to what is going on in your mind, what rules you've created for yourself. And these could be the cause of your limiting beliefs, particularly around your self-worth, your self-value and your money mindset. Are you holding yourself back? You need to, there it goes. You need to change your language to change your mind. As Leslie said, talk to yourself, as though you're your best friend and always be the encouragement that you need to see and that you like to create in others. Next up is episode 205, Freedom of Time and Health with Sonia Morton Firth. The overriding reflection from this episode is that it's never too late. I say it all the time. It's so true. It is never too late to be who you might have been because I am living, walking, talking proof of this. Sonia said she didn't question her life, that her salary afforded her a quality of life that she didn't second guess. And it was only until she realized that she was living for the weekends that she'd started to dread those Sundays. She was living that cliche of turning 40 and asking, is this all there is? And this is when she recognized that she wanted to step away from this way of living her life. Her heart wasn't in it and she pushed against what society was saying she should do. There you go again, another modal operator. In this episode, Sonia focused on values, sharing how values should not be social idealisms, but those which are unique to you. I totally agree, particularly where business values come in, because they often form a list of social idealisms rather than genuine considerations of the principles which will ultimately formulate every part of the business's culture. Business values should be carefully considered by the founders of the company in the initial stages of creation and continually reassessed in terms of progress and adherence to those values. What are your company's values? When was the last time you considered your values and are you working in alignment with them? You don't work simply to work. You work to fulfill your needs and your values. When you align your values with those of others, you share the vision and you share responsibility. Reassess your core values and think about how you may need to adapt or realign your business to them. Align your work with your values to become valued for your work. It's staggering just what is possible, individually and collectively, when you focus on why. As an individual, your core values form the internal compass from which you operate, ultimately driving your decisions and dictating your direction, both on a personal and professional level. Sonia believes that your values come from your voids. Again, I am in agreement with Sonia. Is your work fulfilling or are you just filling in the moments? When was the last time you considered your values and are you living a life in accordance with them? When you know your values, you are more able to spot opportunities, make wise decisions and inform choices. Understanding and living by your highest values will enable you to discover what is most important to you in life who you really are, and how to live a life of authenticity, purpose, and fulfillment. Essentially, you will know why you do what you do. You will discover your purpose. Contrary to my earlier point, where I asked you to focus on your language, now I want you to focus on your actions, not your words. You will naturally seek more of what you perceive you lack most or believe is missing in your life, and you will try to fill that void. Your voids therefore create your values, What you lack most is often found to be your highest value. If you are finding your work unfulfilling, it's highly likely that your work is not aligned with your highest values. Once you identify and live by your values, you will create meaningful, purposeful and innovative work and tap into your hidden potential, releasing what you truly desire. So take a moment to consider what your highest values are and how you are honoring them in life. Are you aware of the life you are shaping, the life you're designing? Remember, keep questioning why you do what you do. And if you want to work through these questions and explore your purpose further, I offer clarity sessions to do exactly that. Just book in a discovery call with me via amyrowlinson.com and we can take it from there. Ask yourself the question, is there more? Why am I doing what I am doing? How can I bring more joy into my life? Who am I? Who am I really? What do I want? What do I really want? Who do I want to be? What do I want to do? What do I want to have? This episode is all about the freedom and time and health. What does freedom of time and health mean to you? Next up is episode 206, Be in Charge of Your Own Destiny with Nick Bush. And a big shout out goes to Kim Hamer for introducing us. I'm always incredibly grateful to people recommending guests to me. In fact, I've barely had to think about who's going to appear next on the show since I launched last year. My inbox is always filled with people wanting to come on the show and share why they do what they do. It's fantastic. Let me know if you'd like to come on the show or if you know someone who would make for a great guest. In my conversation with Nick, we saw how his passion, his mission, profession and vocation all intertwined how he gets his fulfillment from a combination of voluntary work part-time alongside his management consulting, a mix of pro bono and paid work. He's brought his hobby and passion together with his purpose and his profession. Now, Nick said he'd been wrestling with the word purpose in the preparation for recording this podcast, seeing how it had become almost a new age religion. And I want to expand on this because yes, I agree. Purpose is a hot topic, not just for the modern day millennial or for anyone today but it has been a hot topic for many a millennia what is the purpose of life it's a question that has challenged humans throughout history of the world you can take it on the literal level where the purpose is incredibly simple and yet paradoxically complex it's to survive evolve reproduce Nowadays, your purpose in life is to have that reason for getting up every day. Your purpose is your life compass to guide you, guide your life decisions, your behavior, to give your life a sense of meaning and focus. Your purpose is at the core of your goals, your direction. Purpose gives you life and a reason to live. Aristotle spoke of eudaimonia, saying happiness is the meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. What's your interpretation of purpose? What gets you up in the morning? What keeps you going? What motivates you? What drives you? What gives you your direction? For Nick, he's focused on helping people to move away from living and working from this narrow view of perspective of what's possible in the business world by showing them a wider, more expansive perspective of the possibility. Possibility not only in the business environment, but in life as a whole. And that shift in mindset can be overwhelming as you enter into this world of possibility. The brain wants to keep you safe and uncertainty is not its friend. However, life is about growth, change, transformation. Nick said that he had to work on his mindset to get out of the shadow of his parents who had adopted a fatalistic view of, of bad luck in life. And he quoted the Invictus poem by William Ernest Henley. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And he also spoke of creativity, opportunity and of elements, which led me to think directly of Sir Ken Robinson, who wrote about the element, how finding your passion changes everything and finding your element, how to discover your talents and passions and transform your life. If you haven't explored these books, I'd recommend them. Alternatively, why not check out Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk, Do Schools Kill Creativity?, which has now had more than 71 and a half million views. I've put a link in the show notes. I would have loved the opportunity to have had Sir Ken Robinson on Focus on Why, to explore in depth why he does what he does. However, his TED Talk gives you a full insight into his life purpose. And I see a parallel to what Nick is doing, to what Sir Ken Robinson was trying to achieve. Nick's work is focused on his passion and he's trying to make music more accessible for those of younger ages. Nick's glass is always half full. He's found his spark in life and he has passed on the quest to find your spark onto his children. And now he continues to share this quest with a wider community. So having wrestled with the idea of purpose, it was by bringing two worlds together to create a synergy between his passion and profession that Nick realised He was already living and working with purpose. Nick advocates to follow the Invictus way and to be in charge of your own destiny. He is the captain of his soul. Are you? Be in charge of your own destiny. My final reflection for today is episode 207, How to Be Unboring with Jackie Barry. A wordsmith from an early age, Jackie first carved out a career in copywriting and subsequently has spent two decades running her own business in copywriting, experiential speaking and training through the power of the written and the spoken word. Creative, fun and writing without waffle, Jackie's purpose is unboring. A strong believer on focusing on delivering answers to her audience problems, Jackie understands what it takes to get the audience involved, what keeps their attention and how to communicate more effectively. Now, Jackie mentioned that her attention was caught at the age of 13 when she entered a writing competition. And as there was no Google available in those days, she resorted to a copy of a National Geographic magazine to research for this writing competition. Oh my goodness, it took me straight back to when I was a child. I remember spending hours, if not days, buried in National Geographic magazines, sitting as an eight-year-old on a rainy day on the cushioned window seat by the lead-pane windows in my home. I flicked through the glossy pages of the magazines, carefully folding out those extra pages to see the beautiful photographs of a world that I'd barely had a chance to see. These magazines changed my perspective of the world. They'd been published since the 22nd of September, 1888. And yet I had more recent episodes than that. And they brought the world to me. They opened up the whole world for me. And here I was in a small village just outside Stratpon Avon in Warwickshire in the UK, a village without a shop where I relied on a visiting mobile library to provide me with any new books. So these National Geographic magazines that we had in the home were just such a major source of information, inspiration and imagination for me. I could see just how incredible the planet was. And turning the pages, I found that the planet to be both horrifying and beautiful, expansive and finite, as it honed in also on the specificity of one person's plight or one person's pioneering efforts. This was a magazine defining purpose in its entirety. Do you remember them? Those iconic yellow framed magazines when you were a child or do you still read them today? I remember one particular issue. It was June 1985. The headline read along Afghanistan's war-torn frontier with a second caption of haunted eyes tell of an Afghan refugee's fears. The fear was visible within the haunting eyes of this young girl who had fled her home of war-torn Afghanistan to go to a refugee camp in Pakistan. The photographer was Steve McCurry. And after her image appeared on the cover, she became known as the Afghan Girl. But who was she? It was an unsolved mystery for 17 years until in April 2002, photographer Steve McCurry joined a team, a television and film team, from the National Geographic, to search for her. They showed her photograph around that refugee camp where she'd first been encountered as a schoolgirl back in 1984. And someone recognised her, and they were able to track her down. She was found living back in Afghanistan, and they sought her out to take her photo again and find out what her name was. She was no longer known simply as the Afghan girl as we learned that her name was Shabat Gula, and she was now married with three children. And she also remembered the day that that photographer had taken her photograph. That photograph has stayed with me all these years. Just as the photographer had been drawn to that 12-year-old girl in a refugee camp near Peshawar, Pakistan, so had the world. They'd all been drawn to her. That moment had been captured forever. The photographer remembered Just when he saw it, that she had an incredible look, a penetrating gaze, he said. But there was a crowd of people around us. The dust was swirling around and it was before digital cameras. And you never knew what would happen with the film. And when I developed the picture, I knew it was special. I showed it to the editor of the National Geographic and he leapt to his feet and shouted, that's our next cover. So not only did Afghan Girl become the magazine's next cover, but undeniably the most successful in its long and distinguished history, one of the most recognisable photos worldwide. I wonder where Sharbat Gula is today, 19 years later, again when Afghanistan is being torn apart. There were other memories and photographs that I can recall so vividly from other copies. There were NASA's photographs of Saturn's rings from July 1981 and a different type of rings from the February 1986 issue which featured the women of Indabella. There was a photograph on the cover of a woman with gold rings around her neck of different sizes stretching the neck. And I recall that the Indabella women traditionally adorned themselves with a variety of ornaments, each symbolising her status in society. The indebellable wife would wear copper and brass rings around her arms, legs and neck, symbolising the bond and faithfulness to her husband. She would only remove the rings after his death. The world is a magical place and each guest reinforces this for me. Jackie is a traveller, an explorer who loves an adventure, and in telling her story, she took me on an adventure. I had those memories going back of when I was a child and of those National Geographic magazines. Jackie says she gets more and more playful the older she gets. She follows the fun, unleashing the child within. For Jackie, having fun is what life is all about. She lives in the now. She also spoke of the three principles which underpin fundamental human experience, thought, mind and consciousness. She spoke of universal energy of source, chi, God, intelligence of its own. Well, Sir Ken Robinson called it your element. So whatever you call it, remember that it is there and that it's there for you in your own unique way to explore. To use Jackie's word, life is unboring. So use your unbound creativity to bring you joy, happiness and purpose into your life. And as Jackie said, the only thing you can really do is be in the moment. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.